0: is going to face Brad Miller making his first Philly start in left field here today. A high fly ball to deep right field. Ramirez going back. It is gone! Into the second deck. Brad Miller with his third home run of the year. He's given the Phillies a 3-1 lead.
1: Hello and welcome to this edition of Phillies Talk Podcast. It's a special July 4th All-Star Game Combination Podcast talking all about the Philadelphia Phillies and Phillies Talk Podcast is the longest running independent show talking about those Philadelphia Phillies. So we hope you enjoyed this show and I'm joined again by my co-host and good buddy Mr. Matt Vizi. How you doing, Matt?
0: Hey, Rich, how are you today?
1: Not bad, not bad settling into this july 4th holiday coming up tomorrow we're taping the show a day early here and uh well we got to july 4th pretty fast
0: we, that we did i don't even want to talk about it rich uh, at 57 now uh, every day and year month seems to pass too fast it's like where did yeah. that year go
1: yeah yeah, yeah. when you get you know, every year you get a little bit older, I think you experience that a little a little bit more. And uh, I remember my dad telling me something about that. Oh, yeah, as you get older, man, the days just fly by. And it's certainly the baseball season is flying by. We're well over half into the season now, even though the all-star game is typically known as the half mark of the season, so to speak. And uh, before we get talking about the Phillies and how they've been doing lately... And uh things like that, you have some uh late breaking news that just uh, was released right before we're taping the show today.
0: yeah, I'm sure a lot of the Phillies fans, at least those who were up this morning have heard already, but uh all the charges were dropped in the domestic violence case this morning against Odouble Herrera. Uh, his girlfriend actually showed up with him hand in hand uh, they walked hand in hand into the Atlantic City municipal court. And uh, those domestic assault charges that stemmed from the uh, violent incident that they had at the Atlantic City casino back in May, <clears throat> uh, Herrera's charges have been dropped. It's uh, tentative, I guess. It's uh, it's based on the, the court said uh, he's undergoing some counseling right now, and. As long as he completes that counseling within 60 days and provides some type of certification that he did that, then all all charges will be completely dropped. His record will be exonerated, all that kind of stuff. Um, He doesn't even have to return to court. That, That paperwork can be faxed into the court. So... Looks like Oduble is especially considering that she walked in hand in hand with them. And uh, they, they looked like they've come to whatever reconciliation of terms in their personal relationship that's taken place. The legal system looks like it's about to exonerate them. So we're going to have to see what happens next with major league baseball and the Phillies.
1: Yeah. And that's um, good news for Oduble. I know we, Spoke about it for a minute or so before we started the show. Good news for him. A few weeks ago, I tweeted out this very outcome um, scenario. I kind of predicted it in New Jersey here anyway. You know, with things like this and probably across the country, uh, things happen between couples sometimes. Not always does it lead to violence with one regard or another. We don't know the whole story of this. We probably will never know the whole story. We don't know if she got physical with him first and he retaliated and she pressed the charges. We don't know basically what happened at the Golden Nugget Hotel Casino. I personally don't even care what happened. With myself, I care more or less about the baseball field and how a player does on the field. But as you said, uh, Aduba looks like He's going to get exonerated. What will happen next with the Phillies? I, I kind of think that he'll be back in center field pretty soon for the Phillies. Um, and that might be a good thing for the Phillies. Uh, he was part of this chemistry early on that the Phillies were doing pretty well, even though he wasn't setting the world on fire. It just seemed like it, he was part of a better part of the Phillies, so to speak, earlier on in the season.
0: Yeah, I guess I, I do have a slightly different take than you, Rich, and probably, you know, part of it has to do with my law enforcement background, but um, part of it has to do with what I've been exposed to as far as fan reaction to Odubel even prior to this incident on social media and in my personal conversations. And from the law enforcement perspective, I saw this regularly as a Philadelphia police officer and supervisor. Um uh, Domestic violence incidents happen out there. Sometimes they're what we might term you know, relatively minor. Other times they're a little more serious. But I've, either way, I've seen it many times where the perpetrator gets off, gets away with it because for whatever reason, the victim – Decides to reconcile or settle it out of court or not proceed with the charges for some other reason. There have been cases where it was due to threats, uh, but I don't, or intimidation. I don't believe that's the case here. Pretty obvious the way she walked into court with him hand in hand that uh, they've reconciled on some, on some level. So I, I don't, it doesn't erase the fact that the incident happened. Um, Some of the D are out there and in, in public from what law enforcement saw when they responded in Atlantic City. Yeah. The fans have really expressed, uh, I've seen a lot of negative uh, feelings expressed on social media <clears throat> and I, I think it's going to be very difficult personally. I think it's going to be very difficult for the Phillies to bring O'Dubal Herrera back to the team and insert him back in their lineup, but we'll see what All happens.
1: Right. Absolutely. And I'll just harken back to we really don't know what happened between the two and I'm not condoning any any violence towards women or vice versa. I it seems like this is behind him and he may be a member of the Phillies again and may be contributing to a winning ball club and Matt that's what we've seen in the last couple days a little hiccup here and there. Uh we're going to mention a little bit about the uh mystery of the bamboo as we heard on the opening here special opening with uh, Brad Miller bringing some of that bamboo to break the Phillies' losing streak at seven games there a couple of weeks back now, um, ten days ago or so. It seemed to work back then.
0: Yeah, it was a a a little fun uh, interjection into the season, uh, a little levity lightened up the mood in in the clubhouse and around the team, even in the fan base for a little while, uh, you know, whether you subscribe to Good Luck Charms or what have you. Uh, I won't say it worked. You know, the team won, and it, and it provided some lightness and, and levity for, that was really needed at the time because things weren't going really well there. Um, whether, it, whether the real cause of the turnaround was bamboo or whether the real cause of the turnaround was what I like to refer to as the New York mess, uh, I think that that was <laughs> more likely. Was that the mess came to town, and uh, they they continued to be the mess that they are this season? And of course, referring with levity to the New York Mets, who are yeah. now eight ga- eight games under five hundred after they themselves had been in first place uh, uh, at some point back in uh, I believe it was late April before the Phillies took over that spot. So uh, it's been a terrible season for the Mets it was nice to see them come in here and the Phillies to get those four big wins and especially the way that they did it there were a couple of nice rallies come from behind deals walk-offs so uh, it's really now more than about bamboo I want to see Brad Miller play well and I want to see the Phillies win more consistently
1: absolutely and they have been back on the winning side. We saw uh, Aaron Nola just last night in game one of the series in Atlanta, and that was a game that you wrote about exclusively on philliesnation.com. Described as a must-win for the Phillies.
0: Yeah, you're talking about uh, the opener in Atlanta? Yeah. Yeah, it was – you know, this is the team had been, it was already five and a half back, five back in the loss column, and, you know, got, got beat two out of three by the Braves a month ago in Atlanta. And Atlanta was you know, smoking hot during that, that month of June, while the Phillies were the exact opposite. So um, we're talking about a team that was, you know, thrashed 15 to 1 on Father's Day. And, What happened last night was much needed. I mean, Aaron Nola came in and just completely shut them down, erased any thought that they might have of being able to, you know, power their way past the Phillies in every game. So Nola seems really to be back to, especially the way he's pitched over the last maybe month, uh, seems to be back to his 2018 form, which is good news for the Phillies going forward.
1: Yeah, and you spoke about his 2018 form. Uh he was on pace to become eligible for possible Cy Young consideration award uh last year and uh, all of a sudden, you know, this year he's become very um, not kind of the worst pitcher you'd want to see, but not very Aaron Nola like and uh last night picking up his seventh win of the season. He's 7 and 2 and has lowered his ERA under Four. He's at three point eight nine for the Phillies as of right now, and uh, eight strikeouts. And he he stayed into the game, into the uh, well into into the game, handing it over to Naris which Naris closed the door on the Braves last night. And he really looked like he's picked his game up a notch for last night as well, blowing by some fastballs uh, with the Braves there, and uh, he he just looked like a little different. Reliever to me last night. Yeah, Neris has
0: pitched anybody who's been paying attention. And you're always going to have your anti Neris people around here, I think. But since he returned from the minor leagues last August, he's been fantastic. Uh, he's had a couple of hiccups, and trust me, every reliever not named Mariano Rivera is going to have hiccups. And that includes, you know, Araldus Chapman, Craig Kimbrell, guys like that who are probably the best in the game today. Um, Neris has had maybe two or three hiccups, and if fans are ner- nervous when Neris comes into a game now, I've heard that from a couple different fans. That's on the fans, because Neris's results have been phenomenal since last August. Uh, he, of course, he blew to save his last time out prior to this, which is another the reason we're all glad to see what happened last night. But. You do have to take into consideration that the last time he was being used for the third straight game, um, you know, the, it, the way that pitchers are developed and utilized these days, that just may not be the smart thing. You know, maybe you just can't use a guy three straight days. Uh, you certainly can't do it and expect him to be as good on the third day as he was on the first. He seemed to come out last night with something to prove. You know, He was rested, he'd had a couple days off, um, and came in. Out with purpose, and that's the heck they're never seen need. You know, not not nervous at all, but pitching with confidence, and he did fantastic. Nola, uh, you know, can't say enough about him. That was his something, I believe, something like his eighth or ninth quality start this year, but it was his third in a row, uh, third straight time he's gone at least seven innings. He's gone eight twice there, and it's his fourth in the last five quality start. So. What Aaron Nola has done since his June ninth start at home against Cincinnati, so basically his last five starts, uh, has to me shown that he's, he's back. I don't think we're going to have to worry about him from here on out.
1: Yeah, and the Phillies have been playing the Braves pretty tough. That's the funny thing so far about the Phillies' 2019 season. They can't seem to play the uh, Miami Marlins very well lately, but... When they take on the Braves, which is a team that they're in fighting for for first place, they seem pretty good. It's, a, it's just a weird anomaly about this team.
0: It's frustrating. You know, they're 6-7 and seven against the Marlins. And they got, got beat up pretty good in two straight weekends. Um, and that, those two weekends against the Marlins really set them back. If you, if you consider... Uh, that the Phillies are five and two against the Braves, but they're six and seven against Miami so far. And the Braves, on the other hand, in playing the Marlins, they've fashioned a eight and one record against the Marlins. Yeah. So the the difference in the division is the Miami Marlins right now. You know, eight and one against Miami uh, to six and seven for the Phillies. That's let me do my math here. Four game difference and the Phillies are four and a half back now. That's a the Phillies have seven losses. The Braves have one loss uh, to the Miami Marlins, so that's six games in the loss column, and the Phillies are four games in the loss column behind Atlanta. So the Miami Marlins have inserted themselves, even though they have the worst record in the National League, uh, not just the NL East, but the National League, and even though um, whenever I've done series previews for Phillies nation for these two series against the Marlins and all the statistical categories the the Marlins almost all are the Marlins are at the bottom or near the bottom in all of major league baseball offensively home runs runs per game Um, name it you know the Marlins are at the bottom offensively and yet they just seem to pound Phillies pitching
1: Yeah, it just seems like another team shows up uh, when the Phillies go on to play the Marlins for some reason. It's some sort of strange (laughs) scenario with the Phillies. Maybe it's uh, a lot in their head, and it's happened at Citizens Bank Park, and it's happened down in Miami now. So hopefully going forward, the Phillies will solve some of that. Um, Well, we don't
0: see Miami until uh, the end of August which is
1: nice. Yeah. Going towards the end of August, the 23rd, 24th and 25th, the Phillies back down there in Miami. Uh, so maybe by then they'll get their act straightened up against them. Of course, uh, the Phillies have a nice series in Boston just prior to that, August 20th and the 21st up there in Beantown. So that should be entertaining as well. And, uh, It's just amazing how fast this baseball season goes by. Just when you're starting to enjoy it, which I am really uh, getting to that point right now, uh, it's practically all star break. So, uh, meaning, you know, we're well half into the season with just, you know, a couple more months left. And uh, it's starting to heat up now. Every game is starting to become more important. Not that they weren't important in April and May, but we didn't hold much weight towards those games like we're starting to say well if the Phillies can't win here or can't do this you know maybe we're going to start to count them out and a lot of that's been written about especially in the New York press you know the fading Phillies quote-unquote is what they were writing about just a couple days ago now the Phillies picked up the win the first win against the Braves hopefully they can do it again tonight there's sort of an uneven matchup going Uh, with the pitching, with the Braves uh, throwing up a guy that has an 8.31 ERA against the Phillies, uh, Nick Pavetta, which has done pretty well. So tonight we're going up against a guy named Bryce Wilson, uh, number 46 there for the Braves. Don't really know too much about him, but uh, this could be another game which the Phillies would do well to uh, bring out the bats with.
0: Yeah, well, Wilson you got to be careful with that because they always seem to struggle with these young pitchers and Wilson's talented. He's an eight something ERA, but he's only made a couple of starts. Uh, He's a 21 year old rookie right-hander. He's the Braves number five prospect. He's only pitched in three big league games, uh, two of those starts. And he's gotten hit a little bit, mostly by the Phillies. Uh, He had one of those starts at citizens bank park in the, the season opening series at the end of March. It was on March 30th and the Phillies got to him for four earned runs and five hits over, I think 3.1 innings and Mike Franco homered off him. So uh, really is that's really his only bad, you know, outing as a major leaguer, but he doesn't have much experience again, 21 year old right-hander. So uh, he's talented. He's pitched really well in the minor leagues, certainly capable and, you know, hopefully, the Phillies can take advantage of his inexperience the way they did at the end of the March.
1: Yes, indeed. That would be great. And the uh, Phillies wrapping up the series down there in Atlanta with a pitching matchup of uh, Eflin and a pitcher that the Braves have almost, to me anyway, has been their secret weapon, a guy named Mike Soroka, again, 21 years old, young pitcher, um, hopefully we're not seeing the start of another Braves uh, dominating <laughs> four-pitching pitching rotation here. But uh, he's 9-1 with a 2.13 ERA, and that's the third game of the series. And that, that one's the only one that scares me a little bit, but I hope the Phillies can uh, continue to win down there in Atlanta.
0: Well, that pitching has been what's held them down. Uh, Not that anything's really held them down, but it's been their offense, and they have a pretty, you know, Aaron Nola did a phenomenal job shutting them down yesterday, but their offense has carried them for the most part, other than Soroka. Soroka has been outstanding, as you mentioned, Uh, 21-year-old rookie right-hander. He pitched last year, but I believe he only made a handful of starts in 2018. Mm -hmm. He's still technically considered a rookie. So he's definitely probably with maybe Pete Alonso of uh, the first baseman with the Mets. And you, we may see this uh, Tatis kid, the shortstop Fernando Tatis with San Diego come on. But Soroka certainly has to be a leading contender at this point for NL Rookie of the Year. He's 9-1, 2-1-3 ERA. His whip's below one. He's only given up 64 hits over 84.2 innings. Uh, he's not a big strikeout guy. But he just, almost like a Tommy Glavin, you know, he he just beats you and he and he keeps you from getting hits. He, he's a smart kid. Uh, so it, it's going to be a test on Sunday. So it would be nice, be, be nice if the Phillies' bats showed up on Saturday night against the other rookie, Wilson, and uh, maybe clinched the series. Yeah. And that way they can not have to worry about that against Soroka and just go tough and try to see if they can get a sweep. But tonight's game is important since you are facing, a guy who is not only that talented tomorrow but who's that hot too.
1: Absolutely. We'll have to see what happens uh Phillies and the Braves matchup just prior to the All-Star break here. And uh Phillies um leading up to the All-Star break, I was comparing the 2019 Phillies to the 2008 World Championship team and there's somewhat similar comparisons to this. Uh, June was a terrible month for the 2008 Phillies. June was a terrible month for the 2019 Phillies, but it remains to be seen if the Phillies of 2019 here can continue uh, some sort of a winning pace and get up to that point, which will allow them to get into the playoffs.
0: Yeah, there's a, actually a Twitter account Account and I apologize to the to the owner for not knowing that it might even be at 2008 Philz. I think something like that. Philz, but there's an account that follows uh, regularly the the performances of the 2008 Phillies. Uh, kind of recaps that season or rehashes it, and they're constantly comparing the records of the two teams. And the the type of thing you mentioned that they struggled during June, but that's we got to be really careful with that comparison because not only do we know first of all that that team won a world's championship but that team was just way more talented. We I mean, were talking about a team that had an MVP caliber caliber Ryan Howard hitting 48 yeah. home home runs and knocking in 146. Nobody on this team's going to do that. At least not this year. Uh, Chase Utley had 33 home runs. Pat Burrell had 33 home runs for that team. Jason Wirth had 24 home runs. And you had a bench that had veteran guys. You had Jeff Jenkins, Chris Coast, Greg Dobbs, Eric Bruntlett. You know, these, uh, even so even Matt Stairs, who came on uh, as a late-season addition. So uh, the bench was just far and away more uh, more, more consistent, more proven, just better, you know, than this team's bench, which is it's still going to be, I think, uh in the end if they don't find guys like that. It, it could end up proving an Achilles heel over 162 games. Uh the the back end of the starting pitching rotation getting more consistency, especially from the 4 or 5 starting slots, uh and th- and the bench uh getting a couple of more productive uh, uh, power run producing type types to come off of that bench. Uh, You think about that 2018 Jenkins looking at their stats. Now they got 25 extra base hits from Jeff Jenkins, 26 extra base hits from Chris coast, 24 extra base hits from Greg Dobbs. And those are all in half half a season or less, you know, plate appearance production. So, you know that was that was just a fantastic team, and I you know I mentioned all those names so far. I didn't even mention the names: Shane Victorino, Jimmy Rollins, Carlos Ruiz. You know, and I didn't yeah. even mention the pitching. You know, yeah, uh, that pitching staff led by Hamels. Uh, that was probably their Achilles' heel, and you know what a tremendous job Joe Blanton did after. They acquired him, so this team could certainly use the acquisition at the trade deadline here of a Joe Blanton, uh, a guy who would go four and O for you uh, over thirteen starts.
1: Yes, indeed. So we'll have to see. Uh, and it's always great to look back at a team, and then you can reference reference that and say, you know, what what a great pickup a certain player was. Like if this Phillies team went deep into the playoffs this year, we'd have to recognize jay bruce right off the bat so far and we're we're just at the all-star break right now i think the phillies have well uh served well by that pickup of of jay bruce and we haven't seen the best of bryce harper yet i mean quietly he's having a good season numbers wise and he's probably going to equal what he did last year with the nationals with maybe 30 home runs and over 100 ribbies if that's worth it for the Phillies, then of course that's a great thing. But we haven't seen Bryce come out and start, you know, having a game like he had the other night with four RBIs, going three for four, which we need a lot more of from him for this team to take it to the next level. So we'll have yeah, I'm to thinking see. that
0: he and mm-hmm. I, I still believe he and Hoskins are. You know, it was just over a week ago that the calendar turned to summer and like you said we're, we're not even quite at the all-star break yet so I, over july and august i expect to see harper and hoskins at some point really really put it together together you know and and uh, really be a formidable 3-4 production uh uh combination for the phillies more so than they have they've had nice seasons so far okay seasons you know, maybe uh right where we expect them in certain categories but Harper can certainly go off uh, and have a a hot month and and elevate his stats. And Hoskins can be a little more consistent, I think, at the plate than he has been. So I I think we're going to get more out of those two.
1: Yeah, and as we know, uh, baseball is a lot about chemistry. We had McCutcheon go down with the injury. Maybe that was the reason the Phillies went in and picked up Jay Bruce. Maybe not. Maybe they had their eye on him anyway but uh, certain things happen and the chemistry makes a big part of a ball club. And we'll hope that that uh, chemistry improves for the Phillies. And isn't it so much better to talk about them when they win? I know I've listened to other podcasts and you specifically mentioned the Mets and how bad they've been doing. I have a good buddy that does the Mets musings podcast in New York, and it's, it's painful to hear some of the shows. I mean, the, just the downtrodden bullpen that they have and they just can't seem to win. And, uh, but I don't want to feel sorry for the Mets because, you know, that's what baseball is all about, especially fan wise. When you're losing the Mets fans, will just mash it in your face. Like, like no tomorrow, (laughs) I, I don't try to do that as much, but you know, a team when they're winning, I would like it to be my team.
0: Sure. And, you you know, you mentioned that it's important that chemistry and uh, character of the players and uh, Bruce was uh, seems to have been anyway a fantastic pickup in that regard. McCutcheon was brought so much to this team, was so obvious uh, over his first two months that he was here, three months, if you want to go back to spring training. And he's still doing it. If you follow him on social media, he's very active on uh, Instagram and on Twitter. And he's, he's there every game making comments. Uh, he's still plugged in, and he he it's his intention when he's cleared medically to do so to rejoin the team and try to travel around with them at times and, and be in the clubhouse when he's able to do that without it being a detriment to himself uh, physically and his recovery. But Bruce has been phenomenal. I mean, he, he's won a few games for them already directly, uh, he's got seven home runs with him in just 23 games. He, he certainly provides power. He's probably brings even more power, if that's possible, than Bryce Harper, uh, at least productive power. He's he, he leads the Phillies in home runs, if you want to go by his total season performance. Uh, he's just been a fantastic pickup. And it's a shame in, in regard that McCutcheon went down because Bruce was picked up to be that that guy that I was talking about earlier, that that guy that bolsters the bench, that allows you maybe to... You know, I think we what we would have seen had McCutcheon stayed healthy was we would have seen Bruce pick up some innings at first base, given Hoskins a blow against some tough right-handers. We would have seen Bruce slide into left field and McCutcheon play some center field. He would have certainly had McCutcheon stayed healthy. Bruce would have given the team... A lot more. Your depth is you can't can't help but be hurt depth wise by losing a starting player like McCutcheon for the season, especially early on. Uh, but Bruce has certainly stepped in and been a fantastic, if you will, replacement in left field.
1: Yes, he has been almost like a quote unquote Matt Stairs type of pickup uh, by the Phillies, and uh, we'll see if Jay Bruce can continue his magic with the Phillies as we head into the all-star break. And this year, the all-star break is celebrating its 90th anniversary. Uh, Going to be held at Cleveland's progressive field. Um, July 9th, seven 30 start. And I'm so glad it's a, an early start. It'll allow some of us East coasters to uh, catch most of this game.
0: Yeah. And, uh, Phillies have one representative at this point, JT Realmuto. I guess it's possible that we don't, of course, we never want anyone to be injured, but one of the other players on one of the other teams could end up being injured and possibly somebody like a Kingery or a Nola or Neres or somebody like that could be named as a replacement. So we'll see if that, that happens, but uh, JT certainly deserves his all-star nod. He's one of the top catchers in, in all of baseball maybe the top catcher all around in the National League, although Wilson Contreras certainly uh, can argue that with the Cubs. He's starting his second straight all-star game for the National League behind the plate, but Rio Muto's been a nice pickup for the Phillies, and they still have him for another year after this year. Hopefully they can get some type of extension done with JT. I think that'll be important and an interesting thing to look at going forward.
1: Yeah, he's been pretty solid for the Phillies. Um, six time for the all-star game for Cleveland overall, since the, uh, all-star game was started first game or first time rather since 1997 that Cleveland has hosted this event. And just this year, earlier in the year, it was noted that the Phillies will celebrate the game in 2026 hosting the game for the 250th anniversary of the united states and that seems like a long way away to me does it to you
0: it does but we know how that works rich you know it's gonna yeah. like go by like a snap so um I'm, I'm carrying some a partial philly season ticket plan right now and you know that's incentive for me to hold it uh mm-hmm. last time last time i did this during the World Series run. I think we held them for five or six years. Gave them up yeah. for a couple of years during these dark days um, recently, but uh, we've got them back, and I'm going to try and hold on to them. And you know that that's some good incentive out there. I've, last time the All Star Game was here, I believe it was somewhere around 1996, maybe. Or, uh, I remember going to the All Star Fan Fest. At mm-hmm. the convention center, which was virtually new back then, but I didn't get to go to the actual game. And when I, when I was here in 76 at, at the vet, uh, I was just a kid, 14 years old and followed it on the game with interest, but I didn't get to that one. So I'm going to, I'm going to try to get to this one. God willing, you know, we're still around in 2026. 20- yeah.
1: <laughs> sure. Of course. Yeah. I, I'm i with you there. I've never been to an all-star game yet. Um i'd like to attend one as well you know um next year it's in la so i probably won't go to that but um yeah as you said maybe if you have a a fund you could start a dollar or two a day you'd you'd come up with enough money to buy great seats for uh 2026 maybe uh put your all-star fund away and start now you'd probably get a a pretty decent seat but uh Yeah, the Phillies seem to host this around um, significant events with the country as far as uh, milestones. And of course, we remember back, we both remember back to the 76 year when the Phillies hosted the game against um, National and American League, the All Star game at the Vet. And that was uh, many moons ago, the dark ages of the 70s, it seems like. But. To us, we remember a rocking vet that, you know, was a a happy place to be. So uh, it'll be nice to experience that and hopefully, knock on wood, God willing, as you said, you know, we're here to see it and uh, our fans and listeners are as well.
0: Yeah, you wonder if, you know, future, you know, future real hardcore baseball fans will look back on Things like the All Star game as they get older, the way we do. Looking back on something like the 76 All Star game, I mean, that uh, you're, you're getting me to pull it up now. And that 76 uh, All Star game featured guys like Pete Rose, Joe Morgan, Johnny Bench, uh, Rod Carew, George Brett, you know, Hall of Famers. Yeah. Um, and even some interesting characters. The starting pitcher for the American League in that 76 All Star game was Mark the Bird Fidrich. And mm-hmm. I think you know fans who were around back then will remember who the Bird was. Uh, really fascinating, fun figure during that summer. So, um, you know, just some tremendous names. I mean, on the bench for the National League, you had Tony Perez, Mike Schmidt, uh, Ken Griffey Sr. Uh, so Tom Seaver was, was uh, one of the reserve pitchers. You had Carl Yastrzemski. At the end of his career playing for the American League. Carlton Fisk, um, Raleigh Fingers, Rich Gossage, Catfish Hunter, they're all Hall of Famers. So uh, just fantastic names when you look back on it. And hopefully, you know, fans in the future, young people look back on it, you know, 30, 40 years from now, you know, we'll, we'll have those same good memories of guys like Trout and and uh, all the other fantastic all-stars.
1: Yes, we will. And one of the things I remember so much about Citizens Bank Park and that that era of Phillies baseball is the organist at at uh, Vet Stadium. At Vet Stadium is what I meant to say. Uh, I think the Phillies need an organist again. They need that uh, schlockiness about the vet that had the hands clapping when they wanted the fans <laughs> to clap. Yeah, you know? like I mean that that was like you know the the song and I don't want to murder it here but then then you know that, yeah. Yeah. that was the 70s that was the vet that was baseball and you know a lot of that's missing at citizens Bank park you you get a little quiet sometimes in there and that isn't always how it was in the vet
0: where you get the you know piped in you know modern music but uh, yeah an organist there are still some ballparks in baseball that utilize an organist with with the Phillies for years, maybe decades, it was Paul Richardson. And I, I always remember him. Fans can dig this up if they want because they're out there. 1980 highlight videos went from that season and when the team won the World Series. And I remember Paul Richardson had a little snippet where he was being interviewed. And he was mm-hmm. talking about that uh, idea of, like you said, the clapping hands and that. And he was talking about how a lot of it's timing, you know, uh, sometimes if he came in with that stuff at the wrong moment, the fans didn't pick it up. But when he came in with it at the right moment, it added to the flavor of the ballpark. So, yeah, Paul Richardson was certainly a part of that veteran uh, Stadium experience for decades.
1: Yeah, and I remember meeting him briefly at Citizens Bank Park uh, before he passed away. Um, he used to have an organ set up out there. And Ashburn Alley and would play, you know, prior to games and things like that. You could go out and meet him and talk to him and uh, seem like a nice guy. But yeah, the Phillies need something like that, I think, a little less digital, a little more human input. And we see that down in Atlanta. It seems to work well. They have an organist of many years and he's a personable guy. He's always on Twitter interacting with the fans and just to, pick up on something you said earlier in the podcast about players that use twitter and other mediums to communicate with the fans we didn't see that back in the early 80s the mid 80s and going back into the 70s obviously because those technologies didn't exist back then but uh it was more focus on baseball and less focus on you know, little things that the players had to bring up because they didn't have these mediums to do it. But uh, what a fantastic world it is now that you can see uh, different tweets from players, their contributions to the game, um, things that they do or things that inspire them. Um, well, it's pretty pretty neat.
0: Yeah, social, social media has certainly changed everything. And... I mean for example I think we mentioned it uh, or I mentioned it today on um, in a conversation that I was having on social media with a couple of fans was you, you see with this O'Double incident uh would in prior years we've certainly seen even here in Philadelphia even involving the Phillies where there've been similar incidents involving a similar type of situation uh with a big player and Fortunately for those that player, uh, and and anyone who something similar to that happened with in, that would be controversial in the days prior to social media, you got some stories in the newspaper, and that was pretty much it. Uh, today something happens, and it it never disappears. You know, yeah. thousands, tens of thousands of fans have uh, the ability to comment and they do and they'll recycle it and you can't you can't bury anything these days and i think that's a good thing that you can't bury. there's more conversation and i think it it brings more to light and it it allows for uh justice maybe to happen a little bit more and it allows for uh, people to vent their frustrations and express their opinions and you're seeing it with this so doable thing and and that's just one example
1: and i'd just like to say you know on the terms of justice, quote unquote, perceived justice is what I would want to call it with social media because we we weren't there. We don't know. Uh, I heard Jimmy Rollins talk about uh, clubhouse situations when he was broadcasting uh, a week or so ago with the Phillies there in Citizens Bank Park. And he says, you know, unless you're in the clubhouse, you don't know what happens. You don't experience what these players are thinking or talking about or acting on you know so how can you really comment on something that you don't know about and that's what i feel with certain incidences that happen we have our opinions of course but we really don't know the facts so how can you have a great opinion if you really don't have all the facts so i would like to call that perceived justice um
0: sure i think what Um, What I'm getting – what I think what I alluded to when I said that, uh, I really wasn't talking specifically about the adubal situation with the justice. I meant it allows for the spotlight to be shined, uh, which allows for the opportunity for justice or, as you say, perceived justice to take place. In in prior days when all you had was the the actual formal press, uh, there was an easier opportunity to sweep things under the rug – yeah. To have that influence of editors, the editorial boards that kind of decide what was going to be a story and isn't. Uh, today, that's not the case. Today, the people decide uh, much more than they used to.
1: Plus, yeah, and plus, it, it wasn't something that was hashed upon for days on end and weeks on end. And, you know, every Bob, Susie, Betty, and Joe had a comment about it yeah. that yeah. we heard. I mean, privately, they did back in, in the days before social media, but the voices weren't heard, as you said. Their, their commentary is now out there, um, and, you know, it, it works good and it works bad sometimes. But uh, It's
0: conversational Thunderdome. Yeah,
1: yeah, it's, <laughs> it's the world we live in today, that's for sure. But, uh, well, it was a fun podcast here. Uh, we got to the All-Star break very fast. I hope the Phillies continue... Winning, whether it be from the bamboo that Brad Miller brought into the clubhouse and seemed to take on a little fire for a couple of days, and it died out as we were talking about. But uh, yeah, why don't you let the uh, listeners know where they can find you, Matt? Of course.
0: Sure, Rich. Uh, Phillies Nation is the, the my current home, so they can visit PhilliesNation dot com, or they can and or they can visit our Twitter feed at Phillies Nation and I believe it's the exact same feed on Facebook at Phillies Nation and there's also a Phillies Nation Instagram account so they can check that out and uh, I have uh, you yeah, can follow me on Twitter I'm very active especially involving the Phillies that would be at Matthew Vesey. so that's where you can find me
1: that's awesome and of course uh, for the podcast here Phillies Talk Podcast you can visit the website at FightinPhillies.com. Uh, take part in the uh, discussion. let us know what you think uh, there's a speak pipe page right uh, link right on the page there at Fightin' Phillies you can send your own audio not many people do it so if you want to be the first one to get an audio clip on the podcast here in a long while just visit the page and follow the instructions very easy to do with a computer with a microphone attached to it. you can have a voice here on phillies talk matt it was great talking to you about the phillies i'm just watching uh mlb network right now we're four and a half games back and we're uh into the wild card though along with the cubs right now so uh, a little early to be starting talking about that but it seems like everybody's talking about the playoffs already
0: it's I'm, I'm, you know the all-star games immediate i guess the immediate thing uh this sunday coming sunday is the last game before the break and then after that it's the big thing to me before we can even think about playoff stretch coming up the july 31st mlb trade deadline and i think the next time you and i talk you know we'll be a lot closer to that and i don't know if we'll have seen a deal yet or not but that's going to really start heating up uh after this all-star game is talk of trade talk
1: yep that's for sure we'll be talking about it right after the all-star game on philly's talk Thanks, everyone, for listening, and have a great day. Take care now. Stay tuned for more Phillies baseball talk on the next Phillies Talk podcast.